Good evening. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Would you stand with us and let's celebrate together.
You could have stepped into creation with fire for all the sea. Brought every tribe and nation to their knees, arriving with the hosts of heaven, with royal robe and crown. The rulers of the earth all bowing down. But you chose meekness over majesty, and wrapped your power in humanity. Glory be to you alone, the King who reigns from a manger throne. My life, my praise, everything I own to Jesus, the King on a manger throne. You could. To the cradle, from cradle to the cross, let heaven and nature sing. This is our King, and the grave couldn't hold Him, 'cause our God is overcome. So let heaven and nature sing, 'cause this is our King. From heaven to the cradle, from a cradle to the cross.
seated. Matthew 1, 18 through 23. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Please stand and sing with us.
have a seat and listen as we read from Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in a cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory, Glory to, to God, God in the, the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were about to, they told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told.
Thanks, Eric and Aaron, and Merry Christmas to you. It's so good to be with you and so great to celebrate together. I'm Peter Salmon. I'm our lead pastor here, if I haven't met you yet. And uh, today's a special day uh, to come together, not just to celebrate a season, but to celebrate Jesus and uh, what he came to do for us. Um, I brought a little show and tell with me today. Uh, this is a family favorite, our little people nativity set. And uh, every year when we begin to decorate for Christmas, we get this out of the attic and set it up. And it seems to be very popular in our home with the two and three-year-old set in our home. So uh, this year, our little blonde two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, Joanna, just has been obsessed with this thing, right? And uh, Which is great, except parents, you'll get this. Um, there's a little feature, because uh, she, she doesn't like necessarily playing with all the characters. The thing she likes to do is this. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Away in a manger. And so it does that. And she likes to play that about 300 times a day. And so the first day we got it out, you know, she's playing with it. And, 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 and then the next day, Amy calls me and she says, uh, Peter, I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, oh boy, where, where are we going with this, right? And she's like, I, the, the, the manger, the little Lord Jesus, the thing, the stable, the barn, the barn. I had to put it away. I had to put it in the cupboard. And the funny thing is that Joanna, you know, she loves singing away in a manger. It's the cutest thing. Um, and she's began to just call this little barn by the words of away in a manger. So uh, she calls it the little Lord Jesus. Um, <laughs> And she shortens it to the Lord Jesus. And so she's walking around the house like, where's the Lord Jesus? Where's, <laughs> where did you put the Lord Jesus? We put him in the cupboard and you're not getting him till tomorrow, okay? <laughs> we, were tell- we were telling some friends of ours about this and they're like, yeah, our kids don't even know it has batteries, right? So I was like, oh yeah, good point, good point. But, but have you ever noticed almost every nativity set has some sort of, of barn that goes with it, and everyone seems so sure that Jesus was born in a barn. You know how the story goes. Mary and Joseph are coming into Bethlehem on that Christmas night. Uh, Mary's just about to have that baby that night, and they go from hotel to hotel. They try the Holiday Inn Express, you know, and then they try the Hilton, right? And the, even the Super 8 doesn't have any, you know, and so they go, and that innkeeper, that nasty innkeeper, remember him in the story? He's not there in the story, but uh, that innkeeper, that cold-hearted uh, guy turns them away into the cold and they have to trudge through, you know, a foot of snow uh, in the Middle East, right? Uh, <laughs> to get to this little distant remote barn on the edge of town where Mary that night gives birth to baby Jesus. And so (laughs) no innkeeper in the story. There's not really the kinds of winters there that we experience here. And Jesus, sorry to step on any toes here, but Jesus probably wasn't born in a barn. Not trying to wreck your nativity sets, don't come at me here, but I wanna, I wanna just show you this because, because I think it kind of gives us a different picture of that Christmas night. Look at Luke chapter two, uh, verse six. We read it a minute ago, but I wanna slow down and look at this with you tonight. Uh, Luke chapter two, verse six, while they were there, 
the time came for her to give birth. So while they were already there in Bethlehem, they'd been there for a while. We don't know how long, but they'd been there. They'd come to Bethlehem because a census was taking place and everybody was supposed to go back to the place where their ancestors were from. And Joseph was from the lineage of David, the house and line of David. So he came into Bethlehem, this little village of like two, 3,000 people, and he had relatives living there. This is where his uh, family was from. And so uh, while they were there, it was time for her to give birth. So where do we get this idea of Mary and Joseph kind of flying in that night and then trying to like rush to find an inn to stay in? Well, look at verse seven. It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room or catalima available for them. Now this Bible translation we're using here says guest room, which is, I think, the most accurate translation. In your Bibles, it might say there was no room in the inn. But guest room here is a more accurate translation of this Greek word, catalima. Now, here's a depiction of what a house in Bethlehem would have looked like, okay? So you'd have the downstairs, right? You'd have the main floor, literally the ground level. There's dirt, there's animals, there's the kitchen, there's some storage. And then on the second level, you would have had the living space, you would have had the bedrooms. And then part of that, either in that second level or on the roof, would have been the catalima, the guest room. The place where when relatives came, they would stay. The place where if travelers came and needed a place to stay, they could stay with you. Hospitality was incredibly important in that culture. In fact, if you're someone like Mary and Joseph and you're coming into this little town of of Bethlehem and you don't let your relatives know and don't go and stay with them and you book a room at a hotel or something, like your neighbors would have been insulted and so certainly, it would have been in those days, as they, everyone descended in Bethlehem on, for that census, these homes, these family homes, would have been packed with relatives. Mary and Joseph, uh, very likely, would have been staying with extended family, kind of like a picture of maybe some of you who have extended family visiting right now or kind of around this Christmas season, or everybody kind of descends on one house and it's packed and it's, it's crowded. And so it makes sense when the time came for Mary to give birth, like there's no place to give birth, right? Like the home is filled with people. And so she goes out to this outdoor space, the space where the animals are, and that's where she gives birth to her firstborn son, wraps him tightly in cloth and lays him in a manger, the, the feeding trough. Now, many historians actually think that that was common. They actually think it was common for women to give birth in that area of the house, believe it or not, right? So strange to us. But when you think about it, they didn't have like a hospital that they load you up, you know, in, and, and you load up in the car and you go to the hospital, right? That's, that's not how they do things in those days. But it's so strange to think about. Like my wife and I, when Amy's going into labor, you know, for us, it's like, okay, hop in the car and drive to the hospital. You know, for them, it's like, 
you know, hey, let's go out to the garage. You know, it's just, it's very strange. Now, why am I telling you all of this? It's not so you can go home and, and like take a hammer to your nativity set. Don't do that. But I think, again, it gives us a very different picture of that Christmas night. That Jesus is welcomed into the world, not kind of cast out of Bethlehem and, and shut out and kicked out into this distant barn on the edge of town, but actually welcomed in to a home that's filled with family, maybe too much family. Jesus coming into the world surrounded by the warmth and joy and love of family. Doesn't that give a little different picture? Jesus deeply understood everything that's so good and so wonderful about family. Things that we all experience a little bit of, no matter what kind of family we grew up in, we all have experienced moments where it's like, oh, that's what family should feel like. And for some of us, even this season of Christmas, one of the reasons it's, it can be special or nostalgic is because that's a time when families sometimes come together and, and where sometimes in those seasons it feels like, oh man, this is so close to what family should and could feel like. For some, it's, it's the only time where it felt like that. And Jesus knew and understood the warmth and love of family but he also understood the pain and the dysfunction that can come with family. He experienced the highs and lows of family. A couple examples, Jesus, uh, as the gospels, the four biographical accounts of his life, as they continue to tell about his life, most of these accounts are about uh, the time when he was from age 30 to 33. And during those ages, Joseph, his earthly guardian, uh, never appears. Joseph, Mary's husband, never appears in those accounts. We assume it's because Joseph died while Jesus was young. That would have been very common for men in those days to not live nearly as long, especially men that had kind of a hard labor job like Joseph did. And you think about that, it kind of puts it in perspective that Jesus, he experienced some of the really hard things of human life, of family, of that kind of loss. Another story that we know from Jesus' life, kind of the one window we get into some of his growing up years when he was 12 years old, his family all got together, extended family and everything, and went down to Jerusalem to celebrate an important Jewish festival. And then when they went to go home, uh, they forgot Jesus. They left him behind. And he wasn't shook up by it or anything, but like, I've always read that story and it took him like a day to realize that he wasn't with them. And then they went back to try to find him. And I've always thought reading that like, ouch, that's kind of rough, you know, to get left behind and forgotten. Jesus didn't live in a perfect family. He didn't have a perfect family. And we see this even later in Jesus's life. You know, Jesus, as he began to proclaim to the world some of the things that the angels proclaimed about him on that Christmas night, about being the Messiah and the Savior and the, the King and the Lord who's come into the world to save his people from their sins. As Jesus began to proclaim these things to 
the world, his, his family oftentimes gave him a hard time about it. Like his brothers, his own brothers, John chapter 7 tells us, didn't believe in him. And in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is, you know, proclaiming these things and he's doing all these miracles that would go along with it. And his, his family is kind of embarrassed by him. And Mark 3.20 tells us that they tried to come and say, like, Jesus, you're, you're out of your mind. You've lost your mind. Like, come on, come on, come home with us. Man, like, you thought your family was dysfunctional. I mean, Jesus experienced the highs and lows of family. He started his life on this earth surrounded by the warmth and love of not just Mary and Joseph, but of relatives and extended family. And he experienced those moments and those glimpses where it feels like, oh man, this is what family should be. But then by the end of his life, he experienced rejection, betrayal. He was disowned. He was mocked. He was crucified. He experienced the full effects of human sin and rebellion against God. So Jesus kind of lived that roller coaster, the highest of highs and lowest of lows in terms of his experience of family. But listen to what the Apostle John, one of his disciples, said about him in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. Even though Jesus in the end was rejected by his family, his own people ultimately crucified. And you know, the incredible irony of that is even in that rejection, even in uh, dying on the cross, he through that made a way for us to be saved from our sins. Jesus took the punishment for the things we've done wrong that separate us from God so that through believing and trusting in him, we could be accepted into his family. Do you, do you get the irony of this? That even though Jesus was rejected by his own, it's through that very rejection that he made a way for us to be welcomed to him and to become part of his family. Jesus was pushed out by his family so that you could have the right to become part of his family. And this is why the angels say to the shepherds in Luke chapter two, verse 10, don't be afraid. I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And so the good news is that we have a Messiah who knows the highs and lows of family, who's experienced the highs and lows, who was rejected by his family ultimately and paid the price for our sins so we could be welcomed into his family. And this is great, a good news of great joy for all the people. For all the people. Isn't that incredible that in Jesus, God has given us a gift that is for all the people. You think about it as you've maybe done some Christmas shopping the past month or so, 
Is there any one gift that you can give to all the people that you're looking to give Christmas gifts to? One gift that would just like cover everybody? Isn't that incredible? Because I'm guessing that when you look at someone's Christmas list, I know that you did, or I know that I did this year. I looked at people's Christmas lists and I said, there's nothing on that list that I really want, right? I have like a very different list. Like my wants and needs are very different than this person over here. And just to illustrate this, just to illustrate how difficult it is to give a gift that's for all the people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read my son's Christmas list just to illustrate this point. Um, my son, Teddy, six years old, he was uh, put pen to paper and wrote down his Christmas list. And, and I just thought I'd share these things with you because see if you have any of these things on your Christmas list or maybe you have all of these things on your Christmas list. I don't know, who knows? All right, we'll see, we'll see. So this is Teddy's Christmas list. Uh, number one, a police costume with police power wheels car. Okay, that's a good start. All right. Uh, number two, Swiss army knife, invisible ink pen, multi-tool, power wheels truck with fifth wheel trailer, power wheels ATV, toy chainsaw, uh, note, one that actually cuts down trees. <laughs> toy chainsaw that actually cuts down uh, Next, a Power Wheels boom truck, so I can use the chainsaw, he says. Uh, police Nerf gun, 12 dozen padlocks. <laughs> Five pairs of handcuffs. I'm a little worried here at this point. Three drones. A flashlight, Power Wheels fire truck, Power Wheels ambulance, Lego police fifth wheel truck with trailer. Very specific. And he actually like got that one for Christmas like a few hours ago. I was, my mind was blown. Uh, and lastly, Power Wheels backhoe and dump truck. There we go. There, did anyone have the same things on their Christmas list? A couple, of, there's, al there's always someone, there's always one. <laughs> But when you think about the things I want and the things I think are needs seem so different than what each other person wants and needs. But I think there's something that we all have in common, isn't there? Like we all long for the love and belonging and acceptance and warmth of family. And that's one of the things that makes this time of year so special. It can also be one of the things that makes this time of year so hard. Because sometimes when it comes to family, if we're honest, and Bible teaches all of us are sinners, sometimes when it comes to family, the reality is the reason we don't have perfect families is because we're not perfect. And it's like this thing that we want so badly, this belonging, this um, sense of, of acceptance and love and joy. And it's, it's like we try to build this for ourselves. And we're like, that, we're like that toddler that's trying to build a tower out of blocks and they get frustrated halfway through because they keep accidentally knocking it down. And that, that's us. Like the very thing we want and crave is, is the hardest thing to get for ourselves. And there's something about this time of year where I think one of the things that makes it so hard is because 
Um, there are people here tonight that have, have lost people that are close to you this year, and it's, 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 it's hard to have that kind of joy and that kind of celebration. There are people here tonight that maybe there's conflict in your families and it just doesn't feel like it used to be. Maybe there are people here tonight that are just, just struggling with hope in this season, struggling with purpose. And let me tell you, there's a gift that Jesus came into this world that is good news of great joy for all people. No matter who you are, you and I both, we long for the comfort and belonging of family. And Jesus came to give us a gift to provide a way for us to become children of God and to be welcomed into his family. Listen, no matter what it looks like for you this year with whether you're together with family or not, whether it's hard this year or it's a, a wonderful, incredible year of celebrating Christmas, let me just tell you, there's no greater gift, there's no greater joy than receiving Christ through faith in him and being welcomed into the family of God. Every single one of us experiences what's so good and so wonderful about family in these moments. But we also know it's deeply flawed and deeply broken because we are deeply flawed and deeply broken. And we need something more. We need salvation. We need hope. We need forgiveness. We need grace. And let me tell you, that's available to every single one of us here. This is a gift that's good news of great joy that's for all people. Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to everyone who does receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God, to everyone who believes in his name. And to believe in him means to believe in who he is and believe in what he did for you, to acknowledge that you need a savior, that you're a sinner in need of a savior, and to put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did in his life and in his death and in his resurrection for your sins and for your salvation so you can become a child of God. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. I'm so glad you're here tonight. It's so fun to have you and to celebrate together. We're just so thankful that you're here and kind of maybe for a moment, just a part of this family. And I just, I just love that moment of kind of like feeling like we were together in a living room around the piano singing together, kind of this picture of family. The easiest thing to do, I think, is, um, is to just doubt, is to just question, is to just be a critic, is to just be a cynic. I don't want to call you to have faith I wanna call you to doubt those doubts, to critique those critiques. It's easy to doubt. It's easy to be a skeptic. I wanna call you to have faith, to believe in something that's good, to believe in something that's beautiful, to believe in something that's true, to believe in something that's transcendent, to believe in something that offers hope 
to believe in something that offers a sense of belonging that's far greater than what we can eke out in our earthly lives from our earthly families. We try to squeeze every drop of what we can from our families and it just, just isn't enough, guys. We need something more. I need something more. And it's to know that I have a place eternally with my heavenly father who loved me enough to send his own son, Jesus, rejected by his own, but so that I could become his own through faith in Jesus Christ. Put your trust and faith in him. And finally, maybe you've already done that, um, but tonight... Um, maybe you're here and you're not a part of uh, an actual tangible physical expression of the family of God. And we're so, so glad you're here again and we would invite you back anytime and invite you to connect in a deeper way to be a part of our church um, or maybe there's a way we can help you get connected to a different church. But we would just, we would just love for that kind of connection and that kind of family to not stop here but to continue to get more connected. We, um, we believe in family. We believe that we're designed for relationship and we're not a perfect family by any means. We need a lot of grace that we can extend to one another, right? Um, but again, we'd love to connect with you in a deeper way and to continue to walk with you in this journey. Let me pray with you tonight. Lord, we are, um, we are so thankful for the gift of family. And so thankful that when our earthly families um, fall short, often because of our own shortcomings, because of our own sin, um, God, we're thankful that we have a hope and a belonging and an acceptance and a purpose that can only be found in you. I thank you that you have given us the right through faith in Jesus to be called your child. How humbling that is. Thank you that you gave your own son, your own child to us that we could become your children through faith. God, we love you and we trust you and we believe in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, here 
we're going to close our time together by singing Silent Night and lighting our candles. And so I love the picture of this. I love the symbolism of this as uh, the flame passes from one person to the next down the rows. Um, just that symbol of Christ and his light and his peace and the, the hope of Jesus lighting up every face and lighting up the room. And so we're going to do this uh, tonight and a couple instructions for you. Uh, first off, parents, it's up to you to decide whether your kids are ready to uh, hold one of these. We do have glow sticks. I think those were also at the uh, front as you came in. Uh, and then kids, if you're entrusted with one of these, uh, you hold it right in here, not out here, not in here, right here, and don't move a muscle. See how still you can hold it. All right. Um, again, I love the symbolism of this, this and the picture of this. Another piece of symbolism in this is that as the, the lighted candle comes to you, to the person next to you, um, you'll take your unlit candle and dip it into the lit candle. 
for a couple reasons. One, that makes sure no one spills hot wax on anyone. But also, secondly, uh, it's just a picture of bowing before um, Christ, uh, just as the shepherds came and worshiped, just as the wise men came and worshiped, and just as we're called um, to worship Christ our King. So I have some candle lighters that have been prepped ahead of time. Why don't you guys come up and we'll um, begin singing Silent Night.
Well, a Savior has been born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. He's come to welcome you into his family, to invite you into his family. Receive him through faith in him. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming and joining us. Uh, God bless you and Merry Christmas.